C.S. Lewis is one of the most famous household names in contemporary Christianity, and perhaps the most well-known name, Anglican name, of our day. In the preface of his book, Mere Christianity, Lewis likens the basics of Christianity to a hallway. And down this hallway are many doors to the left and to the right, and one door might lead to the Roman Catholic Church. And another door might lead to the Eastern Orthodox Church, one into the Baptist room and another into the Presbyterian room and so forth and so forth. The hallway, he said, is not a place to stay for very long. At some point, we must choose a door and enter into the room. In other words, basic Christianity, or what he called mere Christianity, had to be lived out in a community. And each community takes on a particular commitment or a set of commitments and set of convictions. And he insisted that we not judge one another for choosing a different door than we did, since we all began in the same hallway. Well, I think this metaphor is fitting for us this morning for two reasons. And the first one is that it continues the metaphor Uh, that we began last week by describing the vision of Mission St. James using the metaphor of a house or a home. At Mission St. James, we long to be a place for the spiritual wanderers, those who are sort of roaming out in the hallways, so to speak. We want to be a home. Last week, we began a sermon series looking at each of our core values as part of of a house. And we laid the foundation last week, if you remember, that first core value being the foundation of biblical orthodoxy. And far from being a dead orthodoxy, biblical orthodoxy should burn in our hearts and circulate out into our hands and our feet. And this leads us to the second reason I think Lewis's metaphor is fitting for us today firmly planted on the foundation of biblical orthodoxy, we eventually make it down the hallway of mere Christianity, and we have walked through the Anglican door. So our second core value, you'll see that listed there in your, in your bulletin, is Anglican spirituality. And I want to alter Lewis's metaphor just a little bit to say that Mission St. James, at Mission St. James, We are decidedly Anglican, and so we don't just enter into one room among many, but we move about an entire tradition that makes up our whole house. So I I want us to think of maybe not so much of a a hallway in one house, but almost like a main street in a neighborhood. That's our mere Christianity, and we've turned, pulled into the Anglican house and walked through that front door. So let's say that we live next door to the Catholics in this scenario and across the street from the Baptists, for instance, and around the corner from the Orthodox. You get the idea here. So as we explore what we mean by Anglican spirituality, we'll be looking at our gospel text assigned for today. And what I want to say is that this evening, while Mission St. James is an Anglican church, Anglicanism's chief concern is to cultivate a life of prayer and then to inhabit 
a house of prayer. So another way to put this is that as a tradition, Anglicanism teaches us to hear the voice of Jesus, our good shepherd. Now, our gospel passage is situated toward the end of Jesus's earthly ministry, and John's gospel is usually made up of or seen as being made up of two separate books. You have the first half, which is the book of signs, and the second half we call the book of glory. And our text tonight comes just before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, if you remember that story, which ends the book of signs as being the sort of the, the, the pinnacle of the signs that Jesus performs. So it comes at the end of the book of signs and ushers us into the upper room discourse, which is, begins the book of glory. Now, among seven different I am statements that Jesus makes in John's gospel, Chapter 10 gives us two. He says, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. So in contrast to the religious leaders and the pretended messiahs of the past, Jesus claims himself to be the way of salvation. In other words, Jesus, without Jesus, there is no safety from those who wish God's children harm namely the devil and those doing his bidding. And this is what he is talking about when he says in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Verse 2, but he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and his sheep follow him, and they know his voice. Now, what's important here is what we see in verse 3. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, and he calls them by name and leads them out. The human voice, I think, is a, is a fascinating thing. And not just the human voice, but our ears, our whole nervous system. It's fascinating. Because it's entirely possible, if you think about this, to recognize out of a crowd of hundreds of people, the voice of someone you know and love very clearly. I think that's fascinating. Now, you would be forgiven, right, if you mistook my voice for some other acquaintance in your life. But you know who wouldn't mistake my voice for someone else? My wife and my children. Why? Well, because we spend every single day together. We hear each other's voices Every single day, on a regular basis, we know each other's speech patterns, don't we? And our favorite phrases that we like to use. We know the things that we would say to one another and the things that we would never say to one another. Now, growing up, me and my sisters may or may not have used a a terrible phrase with each other, the phrase, shut up. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Hopefully not in church. This might be the only time you hear that, I hope. But you will never hear that spoken in my house. 
Unless, of course, we're talking to our dogs. <laughs> because it's not permissible. But I don't even think it's even a temptation to say this in our house. Because we know each other. And however angry we may get with one another, there are some things that we just never say. And that's what it's like knowing the good shepherd. You know, one of my vexing problems in life and in my Christian discipleship is that I engage in a great deal of self-condemnation. You ever do that? Just kind of beat up on yourself quite a bit? Maybe I'm the only one. But that's something that I, I've always struggled with. So call it self-esteem issues or, or whatever, whatever. But the older that I've gotten, I've really latched on to the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It's famous, but I love it. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Now, this is almost scandalous, isn't it? And it continues to reverberate and echo in my heart anytime I begin to condemn myself. So that one day, a friend of mine, we were engaged, we were just having a conversation she said to me that God told her that she wasn't doing enough. That ever happened to you? Has God ever said, you're not praying enough? You're not doing enough? You're not loving enough? Whatever it was, I don't remember exactly. But I thought, now that sounds like condemnation. And I know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This doesn't sound like the voice of the good shepherd, does it? It sounds like the voice of a thief or a robber, a stranger. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Holy Spirit does convict us of sin, of course. But my friend wasn't confessing sin. She was accusing herself of not doing enough. But when we sit down with Christ, if we meditate on the God-breathed word of God, we become familiar with God's character, don't we? He who is. We become familiar with his voice and the kinds of things that he says. He wouldn't sit down and say, you know what? You're just not praying enough. You're just not doing enough. I think he would say, hey, why don't you think about doing this? But this, it's that word enough. I just don't think that's what Jesus says, because I don't see that in the, the scriptures. He never says, shut up, does he? Instead, what he says is what he said in our gospel passage. Truly, truly, I say to you. So the, my point here is that the more that we spend time with Jesus the easier it is for us to discern his voice from the stranger. Which is why he says in, in verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus tells us that his voice is discernible and that we can know it so well that we could tell it apart from our own voices at times, the voices of the world, and even the voices, voice of the devil. Because the disciples didn't quite understand what Jesus was saying to them, he expounds on this metaphor a bit more in verses 10 through 10, 7 through 10. 
6 through 10. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not quite understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And here it is. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, for some reason, the lectionary cuts our text off just before Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. That happens in verse 11. And that's really strange because the lectionary also calls this Sunday Good Shepherd Sunday. So I maybe would add to verse 11 to Good Shepherd Sunday. But today's reading only identifies Jesus as the door in this metaphor. But that should remind us, I think, of our house imagery, right? Now, theoretically, there's only one way to enter into a house, right? Through the door. <laughs> If someone enters a house in any other way, they're likely up to no good, aren't they? Well, a few weeks ago, Janie and I uh, were in Nashville enjoying a few days away after Holy Week. And just as we were leaving town, we were heading out of Nashville, we stopped in the town of Antioch. And we found this great park in the middle. It was at noon in the middle of daylight, great, beautiful day. Plenty of people out running, jogging, playing tennis, whatever. Uh, and the plan was that we were going to go on this little walk through this, uh, through this park and then get in the car and come back to Jackson. And when we got back to the parking lot around like 1230, so about 30 minutes later, we noticed that the back gate of the car had been opened. And all of our belongings were sort of exposed. My, my computer bag was right there, and I thought... Oh, I must have hit a button or something and didn't realize that we left it open. And as we got closer, we realized, no, somebody has broken out our window. And they've taken Janie's purse. Let me say that a little clearer. Thieves took Janie's purse and nothing else. Now, unless you lock your keys in your car, it's difficult to fathom why you would break out your own car window, right? Only a thief would do such a thing. Those who have the right to enter a vehicle are either a passenger or an owner, right? So it is with your house, and so it is with Jesus. What it means to be in the sheepfold here could be described by our psalm, Psalm 23. There we have a picture of peace and serenity, even in the midst of the shadow of death and in the presence of our enemies. And what results in this peace is the relationship between the psalmist and the shepherd, right? The sheep here are those who belong to the shepherd. There are no unwilling sheep here, only those who know the shepherd's voice. Only and the only way to enter this fold is through the shepherd himself or the door. So the language of going in and out here and finding pasture, it's, it's striking. So rather than staying within the sheepfold, 
The sheep are led out. They're led out by the shepherd and under his protection to immense freedom. And what do the sheep do out in the pasture? They roam around, right? And they eat. They explore in complete assurance that no harm will befall them. And when they stray too far, they know that the shepherd will leave the others and bring them back to the fold. And it's a picture of human life lived abundantly. And this is a life of total grace. That means you and I have available to us everything we need to flourish. Verdant grass, still waters, paths of righteousness, and guaranteed residency in the house of the Lord for eternity. And there it is. The house of the Lord. The house we've been talking about at Mission St. James, the place for the wanderers to dwell, it's a foretaste, right? It's a tent, so to speak, of the house of the Lord. It's not, and I need you to hear this, it is not perfect, nor will it ever be perfect. But it is always to be a house of prayer. So what does all this have to do with Anglican spirituality? Well, in a word, I think it has everything to do with Anglican spirituality. If you haven't noticed, Anglicans have a book that comes, we usually have a Bible in one hand and another book in the other hand, and it's a book that we call the Book of Common What? The Book of Common Worship? No. The Book of Common Doctrine? No. The Book of Common Discipline? No. It's the Book of Common Prayer. You see, the Book of Common Prayer is like a blueprint to our house. It contains the floor plan of the whole thing. And it organizes all the most important aspects of our Christian lives. It not only contains the hallway of mere Christianity, the basics of biblical orthodoxy and the creeds and elsewhere, but it shows us where the dining room is, right? It, sh- it lays out for, the, for us the dimensions of the living room, and it shows us where we are to find the bedrooms. And what I want us to understand when we hear this phrase, Anglican spirituality, What I want us to remember are these three rooms, the dining room, the living room, and the bedroom. All other houses in the neighborhood have these rooms, of course. The Baptists next door, the Presbyterians behind us, and even the Orthodox over there in the cul-de-sac, right? But the Anglican floor plan situates the dining room in the center. That is our common feast, which we call Holy Communion. You see, we gather around the table of the Lord, don't we? As often as we do this to center our lives around who? Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. In our communion service, we hear, we learn, we read, we mark, we inwardly digest his word and the public reading of scripture and the faithful preaching of the same. And we break bread, that is, we gather around the body and blood of the good shepherd who gave his abundant life, that we too might have eternal life. 
But although the dining room is in the center of the floor plan, we must pass through the living room to get there. So what is the living room? We gather in the living room for a common life, don't we? For common prayer. Now, if you're new to Anglicanism, I realize not everybody might know this, this term, but a central part of the Book of Common Prayer is the daily office. This is morning and evening prayer. Why is this important? Well, it's important because we're giving our praise and our thanksgiving. We're confessing our sins every single day through this morning prayer and evening prayer. And not only that, but we're reading the word every single day. If you ever started uh, the new year out, January 1st, you know, I'm going to read the entire Bible. I just need that perfect Bible reading plan that will make this easy and shorten the whole thing, if possible. <laughs> the Book of Common Prayer has that. It's called the Daily Office Lectionary, and it takes you through the entire Bible in a year. And you read the, the Psalms at least six times a year, if not 12 times a year, depending on what option you choose. The point is, this is our common prayer life. And ideally, we would do this together. But even if we're doing it at our homes by ourselves, we're doing it within a few hours of each other. And you think about the next time zone and the next time zone and the next time. So it's like the church at prayer constantly. It's a beautiful thing. But again, we're hearing the words of our good shepherd every single day. And that's our living room. And as if that's not enough, the floor plan leads us into our bedrooms. That, are the, that is the private and intimate setting where we encounter our good shepherd in ways that cannot be shared by others. This is our private prayer closet, so to speak. Remember his words that he knows us by name. He calls us by name. And this is where we interact with Jesus throughout the day in what Anglicans call private prayer. So these three rooms, the, the, these three practices or disciplines are what constitute Anglican spirituality at Mission St. James. We participate in our Sunday services together, that we pray the daily office, and that we are communing with the Lord in our own private prayers, practicing his presence throughout the day. So this is how we answer the question, how do we get to know the voice of our good shepherd? How do we familiarize ourselves with his voice through communion, daily office, and private prayer? This is Anglican spirituality. And of course, the Anglican tradition gives us so much more, but these are essential for us. Our prayer is that all who come to Mission St. James will join us in these common practices, that we might know the voice of our good shepherd and follow him always. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our good shepherd. And we ask, Lord, that you would grow us as a community, as a church. Lord, that we would um, train our ears, tune our hearts to always hear the voice of our good shepherd. Give us discernment, Lord, when we uh, think that we have heard your voice, but we have heard something else. Give us community that we could help each other discern the voice of our good shepherd. And Lord, we pray that we would um, live the abundant life before a watching world, that we could always lead them to the source of our abundant life, 
Jesus Christ, your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.